Blog Talk Radio. in just a minute any which way welcome to the <coughs> excuse me man i'm dying this morning welcome to the balance volume shop mark was l presidente 917-889-8516 we got uh standing by in the balance screen room we got matthew Embry, wspt up in south bend our official indycar contributor going to talk about what's been going on this week of course yesterday and I, again, continuing with my venting, was not there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where it was fast Friday. I tell you what, it's like a dagger in the heart not being able to be there. You're just beginning to hear uh, my vent about this, but we're going to talk about this. Big speech to Marco Andretti. Big news from uh, uh, Fernando Alonso uh, with him uh, out on the track this week. A lot of stuff to talk about. Again, venting again should be there. We're not, but we are still going to continue to give you the coverage of the Indianapolis uh, 500. Also, later on here, Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, Lenessi.com, our official NFL contributor, joins us and talks with us uh, about the return of the NFL. And we still don't know, we still don't know if, uh, if, if there's going to be any fans in the stands or whatever, we shall see. My name's Sam Marcus L. President, a 917-88-917-889-8516. Is our digits... We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-1111. 
1-800-273-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 four four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, President Day. Time to kick things off here. Uh, Phil, the 33 uh, qualification weekend here at Indianapolis Fast Friday yesterday. Uh, of course, again, continuing with my venting, uh, not there at the track. First time in well over 30 years I haven't been at the track. But joining us now, who's not at the track either, is Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, how is you, sir? <laughs> My little space is a mess here because I got all these indie books open and all prediction things on here. So I just hope I don't blow a fuse of my apartment here with all the stuff I've got laid out for all the radio coverage and all that stuff right now. <laughs> I know. I tell you what, they've got a really good spot for that. It's called the Media Center down at 16th and Georgetown. <laughs> I tell you, I, you know, I, I guess I just, I just don't get it. They said. To me, well, I won't go into the details of the particulars, but you have to be with NBC.com, AP, or our or NBC Sports, or a local like M- NBC carrying affiliate like WTHR. I know for a fact there's people like Robin Miller, which should be there. Don't get me wrong; he has every right to be there because he has a lot of heritage and history there. Uh, there's there's also Racer Magazine and others that are there that don't fall under those qualifications. So that's just my 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 thing to bet there, Matthew. Yeah, I mean we didn't get you know preferred media spots when we were there, so I can't say I'm surprised about that. But you know it's indie still indie. We I was prepared possibly that this could be a closed door scenario. I've been talking about it for the last few months, so. Uh, it is what it is, and uh, it's time to focus in on what is going on. And what is going on is, uh, although my buddy uh, and our buddy Tony Donahue keeps saying Chevys are going to have a comeback, I think we're talking a potential Honda domination and possible massacre of uh, the Chevrolets uh, coming up today and tomorrow. Well, let's talk about what's happened here at the week and certainly give us a recap of practice at the week. 
Uh, you know, I, we've been forced to kind of watch it on YouTube, but I think really one of the biggest, two of the biggest storylines that come out of practice, well, one is Fernando Alonso hits the wall, and two, uh, for the first time since 1996, uh, Marco Andretti finds some speed. Thing is, though, just is Marco the quickest of the Andretti cars? Because, yes, he ran that 233.4, but it was with a toe. And compared that to his teammate Ryan Hunter Ray and Scott Dixon of Chip Ganassi Racing, who ran 232s without the aid of a draft, uh, I think right now the best bet right now is with possibly Hunter Ray, probably Scott Dixon, who, of course, ran member at 232.595 lap in qualifying a few years ago, so he certainly knows what it takes to do it. But uh, I think right now the battle is between two men for the pole. One, I think, is Scott Dixon, the aforementioned Scott Dixon, and the other, I think, is the best from the Andretti camp. And I really think as far as the clutch drivers in the Andretti camp, then Alexander Rossi, who ran in the 231s yesterday, I think he could coax a 232 out when it counts today and tomorrow. I think right now the poll is going to go to one of those two guys. Well, let's talk a little bit about Fast Friday. Let's kind of go through these, some of these top speeds as we just talked about a little bit about Marco Andretti. Connor Daly right up there with Ed Carpenter Racing at 232, uh, uh, roughly uh, uh, on an average on Fast Friday yesterday. You got to asterisk the Connor Daly's 232, Tom, because remember, that was with the draft. His best non-tow time was only a 228.8. So, I really don't think uh, Connor Daly is that much of a threat, and I also don't think uh, the Chevys are going to be much of a threat. I think the best Chevy non-tow lap was a 230.5 from Pato Award. So that's already 1.5 miles an hour behind uh, the Hondas without the aid of a draft. So I think right now, unless they find speed here in their early runs, I think the only one that really I think has a realistic chance to get among the top nine among the Chevys is Renus BK, who got an early draw in the qualifying order. But I think right now uh, you could throw out Connor Daly's that 232 because I just don't think he's going to be able to match it uh, when it counts today. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. I, it looks like Honda certainly is the dominant manufacturer in the Indianapolis 500 this year. We look at Ryan Hunter Ray, uh, Spencer Pickett, Scott Dixon, as we talked about, Hinchcliffe, Hinch, man, man, James Hinchcliffe, Alexander Ross, as we, we, we talked about, Jack Harvey, Zach Beach, uh, Colton Herta, and, and Soda, as we've all talked about, all having fast speeds on fast, fast Friday yesterday. Honda certainly looks like it has the spade card draw and look who is going to be the first guy out later this morning your boy ray hall he drew yeah. the number one pill all the back so what do you think is he a threat possibly make the top nine based on that i tell you what graham has got it man i really like him a lot and i'm rooting for him to get a pole he he needs a pole he deserves a pole uh, so I, I, I think there's that opportunity to happen uh, for, for pole day. Because remember, what we, were, we were talking about it last year when we were there. What was the one common denominator for eight of the nine guys that made the shootout? They pulled an early number out of the bag. The only guy that had a late draw that made the top nine was Colton Herta, and funny enough, Colton Herta got a late draw again this year, 
So unless someone's really willing to be aggressive like Colton Herta, uh, you really had to have an early draw. And that's why I think some of these guys, I think Connor Daly is a late runner. Uh, Ed Carpenter is going to be coming up late. Uh, again, uh, you have Ray Hall and Sato, the first two guys out. And I'd say, again, if a Chevy's going to get in the top nine, considering he's going out fourth, I think Renus VK, the rookie uh, from the Netherlands, I think it's the best chance for a Chevy to get in the top nine. Beyond that, unless they found something this morning, uh, it could be, uh, for the first time ever, an all-Honda uh, shootout for the pole uh, since we've had two competing uh, engine manufacturers. We're talking with Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, we're going to be talking about this uh, in detail uh, throughout the week as, as on social media, but next week we'll get it into a, a bigger and better breakdown of it. But right now, give us a preview of the field of 33. Well, obviously, I think right now the focus is on is just how much work are the Chevys going to have to do to get through traffic because we saw they were competitive in the draft. I mean, Alonzo was quick. Daly was quick. Carpet and everyone else, I think the Chevys were a little bit more on par in race trim scenarios. The question is, though, how much traffic are they going to clear, have to clear to get to the Hondas on race day? I think that's the big question, and that's why I think even though, yes, there's going to be no bumping from the field this year, I think you're going to see guys trying to make multiple attempts at this throughout the day, just like last year, because a high grid position is more paramount than it has ever been because, again, with these zero screens, we just don't know how hard it's going to be to overtake uh, coming up next Sunday. It helps if I take my mic off mute. No, you're, abso- you're absolutely right. And So we're going to be talking about your field of, of 33. But I, I tell you what, in no particular order, per se, as far as speed goes, but I do want to kind of go through uh, Fast Friday. They did have some speed. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's what we're looking at. But I do want to kind of go through a lot, a lot of these drivers here, and kind of go through that. So let's let's uh, let's pick back up with Ryan Hunter Ray, who had a fast uh, lap, some fast laps yesterday with this Honda with Andretti at two thirty two. Ryan Hunter Ray. I like Hunter Ray more in the race than I do in qualifying. He's not been known as a strong qualifier. I think he's only made the front row at the Indianapolis five hundred just one time. So that's why I think if you're looking for a potential front-row qualifier from Andretti Autosport, I think there are better options out there. Obviously, you got the aggression of Colton Herta, who we mentioned, and I would say Alexander Rossi, who is one of the most clutchest drivers in IndyCar history uh, in just this very short career that he's had so far. Uh, I'd say right now, if you're looking for guys that are going to possibly get put an Andretti car on the pole, uh, I think the better possibility of that is with either Colton Herta or with Alexander Rossi as opposed to Hunter Ray. Not saying Hunter Ray can do it, but I think he has a much tougher ask to get there as opposed to either the 27 or the 88. Let's take a look at the other Ray Hall Letterman racer, uh, Spencer Pickett, who had a a speed yesterday at 232.116. Well, remember, he was on the front row, so he certainly knows what it takes to go fast. I mean, he's Made Actually, we thought he was in big trouble losing the ride with Ed Carpenter Racing. Actually, it may turn out to be the perfect move, the way things are going right now with the Honda Advantage. And uh, if he does get uh, some breaks, maybe catches a cloud during his run, uh, he could make the top nine. 
Well, it's been several years since the Iceman won the Indianapolis 500, but with the, with the start that he has this year, this could be the next Indianapolis 500 champion, Scott Dixon. It could be his final, could be not a formal announcement or anything like that, but could be one of his final years to get the Indianapolis 500. Well, he's got the early draw. The six car out, I would not be surprised if we see a 232 average possibly from Scott Dixon when he makes his run because, again, uh, he and his, uh, I guess, Chris Simmons is the guy that turns the wrenches for them. They like to get aggressive in these situations, and they may just roll the dice and trim the car out a little bit more than what they had yesterday. I would not be surprised if we see a 232 average from Scott Dixon uh, later this morning. The mayor of Hinchtown, uh, my man, my friend, James Hinchcliffe. Good to see him back in the running and qualified. He had a good speed yesterday of around 231.967 uh, with his Honda there with Andretti. That was the other guy who I thought had a chance to get on the front row. I think I had Dixon, Rossi, Hinchcliffe. I think that's what I told Melissa Linker from the Indy Sports Car Podcast uh, when I was chatting with her last night. And she liked those picks. And, uh, I tell you, Hinch right now is trying to make a case for getting back onto the full-time circuit. If he could have a big weekend, not just this weekend, but on the race itself, I think you're going to have a lot of phone calls of people wanting to see him back in a full-time ride for 2021. Well, I'll tell you what, it couldn't happen to a better guy, and, and nobody deserves it better uh, than, than Hinch. I'll tell you what, if anybody's his biggest fan and rooter, it, it's me. We, we, we're talking a little bit about Alexander Rossi. Alexander Rossi's been right there in, in the thick of everything. We saw him in, in the in the uh, 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 game gaming things that they were doing at the beginning. We've seen him make some marks. He's already, he was the first, one of the first rookies to win the Indianapolis 500. He certainly knows his way around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Alexander Rossi on Fast Friday, uh, lap to lap, 231, um, 231.859 in his Honda also with Andretti. He should be right up there. I think he's another guy capable of posting a 232 average uh, when necessary, whether that's today or tomorrow. So I would be stunned if he is not in the top nine today. Are we going to hear, do we have a new track record? Are we going to hear that this year? Well, there's still, even though, yeah, 232 is great, 233 is great, that's still four miles an hour off of that 237.498 that Ari Landek right. ran in 96. On the verge of it, I mean, I think what did Tony Kanan say? This is the first time in many years where he's put his thr- foot on the throttle and it's actually snapped his neck back. So, actually, he mentioned that, I think, after when they turned them up. I think they're running 700 horsepower, which is a number that's been unheard of for the Indy cars for many years. This is probably dates back to, dare we say, the 90s before the split and the switch to normally aspirated power. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that's happened here in IndyCar over this year, that's really new. We've got a, we've got a, the the new uh, screen, and we've got kind of like a new look and feel. We've got a lot of new things that's happening with the car itself. Uh, talk with us how about how that's played out this week in practice out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Well, what I think's happened is Honda's gotten more aggressive now. Will that bite them like it did in 2017 when they had a few engine failures during the race? Uh, that remains to be seen. But I think uh, you look at the Hondas, they have taken a more aggressive tack. And let's face it, I think the way that they have been absolutely uh, shamed by the Chevrolets the last two years, 
they had to do something drastic. They've been more aggressive with this engine. Now the only question is, though, and I think we'll be talking to Tyson Lauderslager last next week or our Field 33 show, and it's going to be a big story. Can this Honda engine make it the 500-mile distance? Well, let's go ahead and go through the Indianapolis 500 qualifying draw. Some of these drivers we've already talked about, but I want to go ahead and get through our field of 33. But we're going to start with 33 and work our way back. We ta- we, we talked a little bit about on social media. J.L. Hillebrand is back with, with Ryan, Ryan Bold uh, racing uh, in the number 67 car. That's obviously referring 67. You wonder why they choose that number. Well, he's liked to dedicate certain things, but obviously that was Sarah Fisher's number. So that's right. why he's using the 67. Uh, unfortunately, he just has the wrong engine, I think, this year. And uh, he and Sage Karam, his teammate, have struggled mightily finding pace. And uh, they will do very well, I think, to avoid not qualifying on the back row of the grid. Well, certainly one of the biggest fan favorites of all time there at Indianapolis Motor Speedway is in the number number three car, Elio Castroneves. I, I got to say, this has been just painful. I mean, Elio Castroneves, what was he, like 28th in, on the sheet yesterday? He was way down there. Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing. As we talked about last week, he's not going to be with Penske anymore, which is really disappointing because – he is a staple of Penske. He, he is what, when you think of Penske racing, you think of Elio Castroneves, and he's not going to be with them next year. Also, not even qualifying in the top 20 or the top half of the field either, though, Tom. Right. Well, let's move on, because uh, we've got to get through all of these cars if we can, and next week that we'll have our field of 33. Um but Max Chilton, we haven't talked a lot about him this year, but he's certainly uh, been able to hold his own uh, throughout the year. Well, keep in mind, though, he still doesn't want to like running the ovals. He's here at Indy. Yeah, he's got the helmet. I think it's got a lot of attention, but it seems like he's still shell-shocked about this place. And it's hard to believe, considering he looked so close to winning the 2017 event here at Indy, how his views on Olas have changed. I mean, he failed to qualify last year, and he has struggled again uh, with the Carlin team that, uh, once again, just has not figured this place out very well. And we got us another pedigree within the Andretti Auto Sports Racing uh, team, and that's Colton Herta in the number 88. Well, he's the guy that can make it work. I mean, yes, the late draw hurts him again. But remember, we thought he was done for when he had a late draw last year, and yet he managed to put the car in the top nine and did it out not just on one run, but on his second run, he actually went even faster. So uh, if there's one guy that might be able to, you know, throw a wrench into things, uh, it's certainly Colton Herta. And uh, you talk about Colton Herta, he's due some luck. I mean, he had – a chance to be the rookie of the year last year, and then his car broke only two laps into the race. So he's certainly due for some better luck uh, this year, certainly. Yeah, Colton Herta certainly was the one who I had my vote for the rookie of the year last year. It'll be good to see him uh, do well. He's done well uh, in the Indy Life Series there at the, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, venting, I've seen him in, in victory lane. Won't see him in victory lane this year myself. Personally, I won't see him if that happens. Uh, on his on his uh, on his um, roundup trip, it, his, he's retiring. 
as we hear another one of the big fan favorites, uh, obviously with uh, I mean with uh, Floyd, and that's uh, Tony Kanan in the number fourteen. Hate to see OTK go, but hopefully he can go out with a bang this year. So where is he in the qualifying draw? He's twenty ninth in the qualifying draw. That's going to probably kill his chances to make the top nine. I think. If he had an earlier draw, I think he had a better shot because I think he ran just under 230. I think they could get above 230. Unfortunately, the late draw, I think, is going to make it tough. It may take multiple tries uh, if TK is going to make it into the shootout tomorrow. Well, we're looking at who we talked about that had a really fast uh, day yesterday, and that's Marco Andretti, his fastest speed since 1996. Marco Andretti, uh, maybe he's not adopted after all. (laughs) <laughs> That's been a long going joke. He, he blocked me on Twitter several years ago because I said maybe that he's the adopted son because he can't find his way to do anything good at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But I talked with him last year and and uh, in person and and we I interviewed him and had a great interview with him. He's a great guy. I don't think he knows that I the guy that that, that blocked me. But nonetheless, all fun aside, Marco Andretti in the number eight there car there. He had certainly had a great speed yesterday and fast Friday. Thing is, though, can he back it up? I mean, five times in fast Friday, he has been the fastest car. And each in the previous four times, he did not get the pole. And only one of those times did he end up on the front row. So do it when it counts. And I think until he does that, uh, that's just going to be hanging over his head. And, well, again, whether it's that Andretti jinx or whatever it is, uh, he just can't put it all together uh, when the time is necessary to get the job done. And, unfortunately, that's been the issue we've talked about with all the Andrettis that have been there. We've, it's been the issue with Mario. It's been the issue with Michael, John, Jeff. Uh, unfortunately, and I hate to keep bringing it up, is they just cannot seem to seal the deal and put the, uh, you know, the icing on the cake uh, when it absolutely is imperative that they do it. Well, let's talk a little bit about Charlie Kimball. Charlie Kimball obviously is a trivia whiz. I uh, plays trivia with uh, my friend uh, Jake Query. And I tell you what, I, I like Charlie, and, and, and I know he's a, he's a good friend of Jake's as well. Uh, query on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network, but he's also uh, the only driver with uh, diabetes. Uh, Charlie Kimball, uh, what what say you in the number four? He was very quick and during the race uh, trim setups. The thing is, though, is how good a qualifying run he's going to have. I think uh, he could be a guy that could threaten, but unfortunately, I just don't think he's going to have the qualifying pace to get a high enough spot on the grid where he could be a contender next weekend. Local boy uh, out, out in Noblesville, and certainly uh, we know uh, Connor really well with both the IndyCar and NASCAR series, and certainly he's a, he's a pedigree in the aspect of who his dad is. It's unfortunate what happened with that story. We won't go down that road right now. But Connor Daly seems to have, have, have found his uh, his niche, and he's, he's one of those drivers that is really fun to draw, watch but just hasn't been able to make it at the level that you would have thought that he would be able to make it, especially with his pedigree that he has. Yeah, and he got the late qualifying draw as well and couldn't do it on his own. I mean, yeah, he had a great qualifying run last year. He just missed the top nine, had a great race day. But, 
unfortunately, I just don't think the situations are set up properly. And add to that, I think uh, I have glaring concerns that this Carpenter team is not advancing itself in Indy. It may be regressing itself at Indy. We'll talk about that when we get to uh, the team boss here in just a sec. Talking with Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Don't worry, NASCAR fans. We are going to get to you even if we roll over a little bit uh, past the 10 o'clock hour because it's it's not a big deal today because we don't have uh, any backup guest books. We will get to NASCAR. We want to get through all of these uh, these uh, uh, field of 33. My name is Saul Marquez, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Matthew, stand by. We'll be back. We're going to continue with the field of 33 right here on the Balance Radio Network. Quick stop, midnight tea top, Jack and her cherry coke pen. Mama and daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car... The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103. Or visit online at GoANG.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Right now, I just need you to get real loose. Get comfortable. Grab your loved ones or grab your love partner. And if you're by yourself, no worries. Just follow after me. Yeah. Gonna do the two-step, then cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the hold down and get into it. All right, welcome back to Balance. My name is Tom Arkansas, President. We're rolling through the Indianapolis 500 qualifying draw. As we know, next weekend is the Indianapolis uh, 500. Joining us also is Matthew Embry, WSPT, our official anti-car contributor. Matthew, we we dropped off with uh, Connor Daly. Let's move on now to the number 24 qualifying uh, draw in the 18 Santonio Ferrucci. I'm going to get that name right yet this year. I promise you. 
Ferrucci. Another team that I think regressed a little bit despite having the Honda engine uh, if for a coin driver to uh, challenge for the top nine. I don't think it's Ferrucci, and I don't think it's James Davison either, which I think I would disappoint our NASCAR fans because of that uh, Rick Ware connection, of course, him being a NASCAR owner. But I think uh, if you're talking about a coin driver that's got a chance to get in the top nine today, I think it could be who the guy that ends up being the fastest rookie potentially, and that's Alex Palau. Well, you, you took the words. That was a great lead segment into the next guy there. He's the, he's the rookie. He's the one that everybody's looking at. He's the Colton Herta of 2020, uh, and certainly let's talk a little bit about him. Yep, Alex Palau from the Formula, I believe it's Renault Series, I think, over in Europe where he was the champion last year. Made impressive strides uh, in the eSports uh, IndyCar events. Has had some decent performances, although the results haven't shown that in the first few events and IndyCar competition this year. And uh, ran a 231.5 late yesterday. So I think uh, we've had coin cars make the top nine here with Sebastian Bourdais last few years. But I think, again, if uh, a coin car is going to make the top nine, uh, Palau, I think, is the best chance to do it assuming uh, BK can't take advantage of that early draw, like I mentioned earlier. James Davidson in the number 51 car. Again, that's the uh, Rick Ware entry I was telling you about, along with uh, David Bird and uh, Bellardi. Uh, surprised that he's the slowest of the Hondas. He was the only Honda that didn't run a lap in excess of 230 yesterday. So either they got a late start on or they missed something, but uh, – with Davidson's skills, I would be very surprised he is not uh, in the top half of the field, and they figure out a way to get some more speed out of that car because he does have the Honda engine, and they do have some relations with that team. In fact, remember, of the three drivers they have, he is the longest tenured at Indy of those three drivers at Coin this month. Well, we've already talked about him in a little bit in detail, but certainly since he's next up in the qualifying order in the 20th draw, that's in their 29 car, James Hinchcliffe, the mayor of Hinchtown from Canada. The late draw, it could be the one thing that hurts him. So if he doesn't do it on his first attempt, uh, I think you'll see him try it again and try to get in that top nine because, like I said, his future in the sport, I think, rides on how he fares not just in qualifying this weekend, but in the race itself next Sunday. Let's look at the number 19 qualifying order, and that is in the number 20, ironically, 1920. That's kind of funny. You can never do that again in a million years. Dead Carpenter of Ed Carpenter Racing. The thing is, though, we talked about Ed Carpenter. In the online circuit, he ran some of the road course events. Did those road course runs hurt him? Because it seems like he's lost his edge on the ovals. It just, he was a non-factor completely at Texas. He has been off the pace here at Indianapolis. I'm starting to wonder if he has regression period that we all see with some of these, you know, older drivers are starting to catch up to Ed Carpenter. I hate it because I love Ed so much, but I just have a sick feeling that uh, the regression period is starting for Ed Carpenter. And this could be one of the last few times maybe we see him at an Indy 500. I tell you what, he's got a great history there at Indianapolis 500, and obviously he's also a pedigree, and we know that he ha- he knows how to get on the pole 
of the Indianapolis 500. So uh, maybe there's there's some hope for him there as well. Let's go on to Chip Canassi racing in the number 18 draw uh, and 10 and Felix Rosenfest, uh, the, the the Swedish driver, great driver, has certainly been able to do well there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Felix Rosenkloss, what what say you? Hard to believe last year that he qualified only 29th on pole day. And even more stunning, he's not with his teammate Dixon on near the top of the charts. I would have thought he would be there even with along with his teammate Marcus Erickson. But it's just been a one-trick pony so far with Dixon near the top. Doesn't mean to say that Rosenquist and Erickson uh, cannot join him among the battlers for that top nine. But I think it's going to take some work uh, to get not only uh, Rosenquist to the top nine, but I think certainly the Husky chocolate car of uh, – Marcus Erickson, obviously one of the more popular cars with that Husky uh, chocolate mention uh, being the sponsor on that number eight machine. Well, anytime you can mention chocolate, man, you're going to win something. Uh, number 17 uh, up next is in the, in the seven uh, car, Oliver SQ. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about Oliver SQ. This is a guy that, that if you don't, don't watch carefully and pay attention to, he can come up behind you. He, he is one of those, he's what, what I want to call the stealth bomber of the Indianapolis 500. And isn't it hard to believe that the best chance that Chevy has possibly to rock the Honda party is with rookies? I mean, you yeah. have Pato Award, a rookie. Yeah. Askew, a rookie. VK, a rookie. I mean, what has happened to these veterans with the Chevrolet? You know. Are they just not being aggressive enough or what the situation is? Or is this... You know, the brains of these rookies. Honda certainly is dominating, but but it is it is. But a lot of people, though, even though it's it, it's still Honda Chevy difference, a lot of people are comparing SQ to the Alexander Rossi who won the Indianapolis 500. Which, by the way, he should be by the way, Graham Rahal because Graham Rahal allowed him to do that. But that's we'll go down that that, that uh, roll another day. But Askew is really that the the new Alexander Rossi. It's hard to think that we're saying that because that was only five or what five years ago uh, that that happened. He won the Indianapolis 500 four years ago. Yeah, but we're already talking about Askew and comparing him to Alexander Rossi. Well, I don't think he's going to win the Indy 500 this year because Rossi showed much more potential than Askew did. I mean, as, keep in mind, Rossi was actually challenging for the top nine honors on the first day of time trials as a rookie. So I don't think uh, Askew's going to be a challenger per se. But, uh, yeah, I think within a couple of years, he could be a regular threat uh, for victory here at the Speedway. I would not be surprised if Askew uh, won Qualifying the top 10 and two finishes in the top 10. Let's move on uh, to number 16. Uh, uh, another Chip Canassi entry there, uh, and that's Marcus Erickson. We talked a little bit about him earlier, but let's go ahead and what are your thoughts on the 16 draw on the eight car? Marcus Erickson. I thought he was going to be much more of a contender because he was of the Schmidt cars last year. He was the top dog on that team, at least to qualify against the rest of his team, including James Hinchcliffe. So the fact that he is uh, not at the pace of Dixon, I got to say, even though that's maybe not a surprise to some people, I am personally surprised that he's this far down the list. 
We move up to the number 15 in the qualifying draw. We're talking about the qualifying draws uh, for the Indianapolis 500. Eventing again, we won't be there, but we'll be there in spirit. I plan on uh, camping out somewhere outside the track there in one of the parking lots, um, and we're going to bring our chairs, uh, my coolers, and we're going to be able to hear the cars. I'm going to listen to Jake Quarry and Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, Radio Network. I'm going to be there. I may not be in the stands, but I'm going to be there. Uh, but we're talking about the Indianapolis 500, the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500 here in the uh, the capital of motorsport racing, Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway. Let's talk a little bit about Zach Beach, the number 15 in the 26 car. Big disappointment this year for me, especially based on what he did last year. Zach Beach just seems to like being in a tug of war in his car. Well, he had a good run going to Texas. Give him that. So I'd say you talk about dark horse picks. I would say Beach is among there. And while it wouldn't be a surprise to some if he did make the top nine, with the car capability that Andre's going to give him, if he gets to the top nine, I would not be surprised. All right, another uh, Andretti fan favorite, Ryan Hunter Ray. We've talked about him a little bit earlier, but Ryan Hunter Ray in the number 28, he's a, he's 14th in the Indianapolis qualifying draw. Well, he's complained last year they got a bad draw, and that kept him out of the shootout last year. Uh, he doesn't have that great of a draw again this year. Uh, again, I think it's more, not necessarily the conditions, but his ability to qualify where I think it's, that's a potential weakness in his game. And it always has been, I mean, remember a few years, I mean, he failed to qualify one year. He almost failed to qualify the previous year with vision racing. So yes, he's had a front row start here, but, uh, I still think, uh, there is some question marks in that game in terms of qualifying. If you're talking about Ryan Hunter Ray being a serious pulser, I just don't see it. Well, we 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 uh, we we move on up to number thirteen, and that's Fernando Alonso. I tell you what, uh, we remember back just a few years ago where he dominated. They 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 created almost created the YouTube channel for Fernando Alonso, and we thought that he was going to be the next guy. And unfortunately. Uh, Fernando Alonso, one of the greatest race car drivers in all of the world. And to have him part of the Indianapolis 500 is such an honor. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I'm not, not bowing to the, to, the, to the king of racing of Fernando Alonso, but he has not been able to figure it out at Indianapolis. And this week in practice, he hit the wall. Yeah, he crashed again, and he got too low, hit the curb, and smacked the wall. Amazing he missed the inside wall on the pit lane. Had he hit that, I think he could have basically said he could have been injured to the point where he might not be able to continue the months. Thankfully, he missed that. They got the car fixed. But, yeah, I think he is a little bit gun-shy right now. And, uh, I mean, it's shocking to say Fernando Alonso starting on row 11, but that could be a definite possibility uh, this weekend. We're talking about one of the greatest race car drivers of all time. Right up there by Mario Andretti. And what's that, Tom? It's just it's Fernando. I mean, we've seen Chris Amon, superstar F1 driver, failed to qualify three times for the Indy 500. Juan Manuel Fangio tried twice to make the 500, didn't make it. 
So it's just not Fernando that's struggling. I mean, it's there are certain drivers that just can't figure out the ovals, and that's, that's always exactly been a mainstay right. for years. Just Fernando that's, exactly that's right. struggling here. It's a situation where some of these guys take it to a, like a duck to water, like Nigel Mansell did when he almost was a rookie. And some guys, though, just can't uh, put it to it or uh, uh, find the right key. No, that's exactly right. We've, we've said for years that the Indianapolis Motor Speedway owns you. You don't own it. And the minute you try to dominate it, it's got its own internal demon, demons in all t- four turns that will grab the best of the drivers, the very best of the drivers. And, 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 and it's not you – know, Fernando Alonso – is again one of the greatest race car drivers in all of the world and certainly one of the most accomplished drivers in Formula One, which is the most popular uh, race uh, racing circuit in the world. He has certainly dominated that series. But to come to Indianapolis just not happened. But but I still think that he that that he is a key part of the new generation of IndyCar fans. Well, the only sad thing is we've already heard uh, Renault mentioned this week. Of course, he's going back to F1 with Renault, and Renault is not opening up the possibility that he would be available to run in 2021 or 2022 for Indy. So for now, after this year's race, the earliest we could see Alonzo again could be 2023 at this point unless something bizarre happens. Well, he's got that relationship with Andretti and then that relationship with McLaren, with McLaren uh, moving into the to the Indy five uh, Indy Indy IndyCar circuit, so we'll see if those two connections can can come together. But let's move on. Uh, Alexander Rossi in the twenty four draw. I mean, I'm sorry, in the eleven draw in the twenty four car. Alexander Rossi also with Andretti Motorsports. He certainly is a threat for pole and for the race win. I think, and a lot of people say that he got screwed out of a win last year when Simon Pazzo should have been penalized in the last lap for blocking. Uh, I think uh, you could make a case that if Pazzo wasn't going to win the race, Rossi certainly was. And uh, if he certainly uh, runs competitive, I would be nonchalant. And without hesitation, I would say that he would be my pick to win the race uh, next Sunday. Again, there we go again, uh, Matt. I didn't take my mic off mute. <laughs> I, I either I leave it off mute and then I'm going to end up uh, uh, talking in the background or I put it on mute. But either which way, let's move on. Newly engaged to uh, smoking hot uh, fiance, uh, Sage Karam uh, from the same town and with the high school actually with the. Uh, the Andretti's uh, in Bethlehem. He's from Bethlehem. It doesn't mean that he's Jesus or anything, but he is from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And that's it's Karam. Uh, and uh, I loved his tweet. He goes, she said yes, and I don't know why. The number 24 car in the 11 draw. And unfortunately, you know, I love this guy. We love uh, Sage Karam, Tom, but just Dryer and Racing just doesn't have the car and they don't have the engine this year. I mean, it's either the same boat that Hildebrand was. We talked about JR's uh, situation, and even with a better draw than what JR got, uh, I still think Carroll's uh, going to be a non-factor uh, this, this weekend in terms of qualifying under the front. I tell you what, one of the funny stories with Stage Karam a few years ago when he was a uh, just a young rookie there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, he had just got done qualifying, 
and and got done with everything. And I and he think he went back to the anyway. Which way he changed clothes? He wasn't in his fire suit, and he was standing on the pit box uh, wall uh, wall there, just below the pit box. And the yellow shirts came out and said, "Hey, you got to get down from there." <laughs> and he's like, "What? This is my team." And I was standing there and I saw them arguing with him about being on the on the pit wall there. It wasn't until the the, the he's like, know you know, this is, is Sheriff. <laughs> Go ahead. You don't know who this is. I mean, the Sage Karam. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's a young guy. Uh, you should know who he is. I mean, even though he just does indie only, I would. He, he had literally just gotten up and qualified. He had literally qualified for his first Indianapolis 500. He had changed clothes, got out of his fire suit, and he was up there on on the wall. And and the crew chief goes, um, "That's my driver, Sage Karam." And it wasn't until then the the the, the yellow shirt goes, "Oh, you're good. <laughs> you can stand on the wall if you want to." But I thought that was that funny. Had a major reprobate. If he did it, uh, he should have gotten one. Yeah, that was that's one of the funny stories there with Sage. Let's move on to Will Power, certainly a former Indianapolis 500 winner, uh, obviously a, a fan favorite there with Pinsky. Uh, he draws the number 10 in the top 10, so we, we roll into the top 10 in the Indianapolis 500 qualifying draw. Uh, Will Power in the number 12 <laughs> car. Again, is the hot Chevy engine going to be enough to get him there? I mean, my and I've seen the tweets. Tony Donahue seriously thinks the Chevys will, will have a bounce back today, but uh, until I see it, I just can't buy it. I mean, yes, he was over 230. I think he's the best chance uh, Chevy has possibly to get a car in the top nine outside of maybe Joseph Dugarden, but. Uh, Chevrolet, I guess, just took a more conservative route this year. Honda didn't do that. It may work out in Chevy's favor when we get to race day if the Hondas have problems getting to the finish. But uh, for now, uh, I think Honda's going to have the upper hand uh, today and tomorrow in terms of qualifications. It's going to take something Herculean, I think, to get one of the Chevrolets onto the pole position uh, by tomorrow. Joseph Newgarden, number nine draw and number one car, obviously with uh, Penske Racing, but his his roots go all the way back. Talk about Sarah Fisher, Sarah Fisher, and Ed Carpenter is the one who gave him the break into IndyCar, um, and with his first in Indy 500 uh, entry. And certainly, uh, Joseph Newgarden has proven that he has what it takes. Our favorite driver from Tennessee, Joseph Newgarden. Again, it's the same thing with power. Is the Chevrolet and did Penske do enough this morning uh, to get them up to speed? If they did, then he's got a shot. If they didn't, though, uh, it could be another long day uh, for New Garden and company. And the same thing I think you could say for uh, Elio and for uh, Simon Pagano. Well, another dark horse that I've been looking at all year long, and especially as we've been looking at practices this week, is the, is the eight draw in the number five car, and that's Pato Award. Otto, I think, is the best chance right now. He ran a 230 and a half yesterday, and I think, uh, and that was without a draft. Without a draft, so like I said, uh, these rookie drivers for the Chevrolet camp are willing to maybe go the extra mile that the veterans won't. And again, I mean, it sounds crazy, 
considering how experience seems to pay off here at Indy. But in this case, uh, the rookies may outrun the veterans in terms of the Chevy camp uh, today and tomorrow. Well, we look at the number seven uh, draw, and that's 45 car of Spencer Pickett. Uh, Spencer's been one of those guys that you, you just don't know what you're going to get on any given race day. What, what do we got with Spencer Pickett this year? I don't know. He's not shown me anything exciting, but he does have a lot of exciting things in his, his tool bag, if you will. Will he utilize them? That's the question. Well, the thing that he didn't have last year, yes, he had, he's been qualifying well, but he didn't have the experience of running up front and being a contender. Last year, he got that chance, so that will help him greatly. And like I said, now he has the better Honda engine, at least for this year. And, uh, you know, Bobby Rahal does have a knack for getting teams competitive. I mean, Takuma Sato almost won this race last year with Rahal. So that's he's with the team that can do it. And like I said earlier, and I should have said it earlier, I wonder if uh, Rahal Letterman uh, maybe bribed the person that handled the uh, chip bag in the draw because their cars are among the first seven all to go out uh, early in this session when an early draw is a big advantage. When you say that Spencer's a better road course driver than an oval course driver? My views on that starting to change. Of course, now, granted, that may be because he was with an Ed Carpenter team that wasn't too keen about oval tra- or the road courses. But uh, you never know. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, normally you would say road course driver, but with uh, at least with ECR, he was more competitive on oval. And maybe that's transferring over here to Ray Hall Letterman and with the deal now with Citrone Buell. The number six draw, the number nine cards, the Iceman, Scott Dixon with Chip Canassi. He's the Vegas favorite to win the Indianapolis 500. And he was my favorite. I think, well, I think I put him like two to one, Rossi at seven to two or something like that, at least when I was talking with Tony Donahue yesterday on Twitter. I think you will make the early yeah, statement right now. Him on the show next week, but yeah, he he he's the one that told me that that uh, he talked with me on Twitter the other day, and I texted him. He's the one that told me that Scott Dixon is 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 the guy that Vegas is picking for uh, to win. So hopefully, we'll yeah, right. If there's going to be a 232 average posted, I think you, or today, I think you'll see Scott Dixon do it early, and you may see ones for the poll when it comes down to on Sunday, but I think if someone's going to get to that 232 barrier with an average or lap, uh, Dixon's the one to do it because he's got that early draw with the conditions will be absolutely perfect uh, here just after 11 o'clock. A guy that you and I like to follow there at the track and have had a chance to talk to together as a team, uh, you and I, and that is uh, the number five draw, number 60, Jack Harvey uh, from the United Kingdom. Again, yes, it's Meyer Shank, but technically this is another Andretti car. He was the fastest in the non-tow laps coming into before they turned the boost up to 700 horsepower. Uh, didn't show everything he. I think he has. Uh, he could be another one that could steal the spotlight a little bit uh, when we get to action uh, later, especially that he's that early draw. So we're going to go here with the number four, the number 21, and I'm going to just tell you right up front that I'm going to butcher this name, and you know that I'm going to. But Rhinus Vikea, and I'm not sure exactly where he's from. What is it? The last little ending there you threw on is just VK. You had the first name perfect. No, v, no K on the end. It's VK. So it's, That's it. 
Where's he from, anyway? The Netherlands. Okay. First Dutch right. run here, Robert Dornbosch did with uh, Newman Haas in 2009. So he's a he's a rookie at Indianapolis uh, 500. What do we know about him? A lot of potential. Uh, just ran one season of Indy Lights, but was right behind Askew all year a year ago. Uh, still a little bit raw. I still think there's a lot of upside with this guy. And uh, I think we will get a glimpse of what this guy could provide, uh, especially, I mean, he's in the same position Spencer Pickett was last year in the 21 car, an early draw, a chance to put a big number on the board right away, and let's take advantage of that opportunity and make the most of it and possibly maybe surprise him and put a Chevrolet in the top nine. We've got another Indianapolis 500 rookie uh, in the number three slot, and that's a 41 Dalton Kelton, Keltit, Keltit. The early draw may save Kellett because, like Kimball and Kanan, he's been slow this week. He's still coming to grips with this car. I still don't think he's quite figured out the terms of the Indy car just yet. But uh, the early draw may give him a chance to qualify higher on the grid than he normally would have if not for that break. And the number two uh, draw, 30, uh, obviously Graham uh, Rahal's teammate uh, who has the number one draw. Let's round out these top t- ones, Graham Rahal and T- Tomoka Soto. How many years Takuzan. have I not been? <laughs> I call him I tell you, uh, he's got a chance. Uh, Taku's willing to show the aggression, and if he's willing to hang it out and keep it off the fence, uh, Maybe we could see a surprise there, but Graham Rahal, you're not going to get a better chance than this to make a statement at Indy. Take advantage of it. Just go for it and see what happens. Who knows? Maybe he'll surprise us and possibly put a car that normally would not be a challenger for the pole. Maybe he puts on the Talking with Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor. We're rounding up our, our uh, IndyCar segment. It ran a little long today, but we wanted to get through all 33 cars. Matthew, I hope you can stand by for a few more minutes and talk uh, NASCAR with us because we want to get into some NASCAR action as well for all of our our, um, NASCAR fans. My name is Tom Mark. was El Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this And see what's behind Got no way to prove it So maybe I'm lying The Air National Guard is a reserve component Of the United States Air Force And serves alongside active duty Air Force members In times of a national crisis In addition, the Air Guard serves the state And local community in a wide range of capacities The reason people join the Air Guard Is as diverse as our members And includes such reasons As a deep desire to serve their country Money for college travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103. Or visit online at GoANG.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. 
the Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one of my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Ooh. All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name's Tom Mark with El Presidente. Uh, Thank you to Matthew Embry for, for uh, sticking around with us and doing some IndyCar with us and stick around. We're going to get into the NASCAR talk here uh, before we get into NFL talk here. But we have uh, breaking news that we just uh, found this out. And we're just now finding out Matthew Austin Dillon tested positive. Uh, for the coronavirus. So let's go ahead and get our initial thoughts on that. We're just now getting that information, so I don't know a lot of the details, uh, but uh, what are your thoughts? That's our second NASCAR driver that tests positive for the coronavirus. I will say there's one guy that I'd like to see them replace uh, Austin Dillon with, considering that he is running the Childress Xfinity car this weekend, and that would be Earl Bamber, the New Zealander. Uh, for this, my sports car friends, you know who Earl Bamber is. He has been a longtime member of the Porsche North America team and unfortunately will not be running in 2021 in the IMSA series. First chance they've gotten to drive one of these heavy stock cars. Supposedly he's fared well this weekend so far at the Daytona Road Course, the Xfinity car. Why not give the guy a shot in the cup car? And see what he can do. Remember, this is a guy that in his very first appearance of the 24 Hours of Le Mans, a prototype, he won the whole thing. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. we got to figure out what, where, who's going to get into that car there in Daytona. You would think uh, that uh, tomorrow in, in Daytona's race tomorrow, and, and obviously uh, the, the Xfinity race is at the Glen today. I, I, I'm kind of like... I, I, I'm on the fence between running two different tracks with the two different series. I guess I'm not opposed to it, uh, but yeah, but certainly, who does who does Childress do uh, for for that? So, well, then Bamber's one possibility. I don't know if they have. There's another okay, road so course Cass- better possible. Oh, that, okay. So what we're finding out now is that Kaz Growla is his replacement this weekend at the Go Bowling That's a good choice. He's another good road race. I'd say that's a good pick. So go ahead and give us your thoughts on him. 
uh, has been, you know, in the truck series, has run some Xfinity races. I believe he has a couple wins on the trucks, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I think he has shown his uh, majority of his uh, good runs in the Xfinity car on the road courses. So uh, I think they can get a decent result from Grala at the Daytona road course this weekend. So, again, breaking news is we did, uh, we got this as we were in our, our break uh, that Austin Dillon has tested positive, uh, and we're going to get a statement from Richard Childress out on our, on our social media here in just a few minutes. Melissa's working on that right now. But uh, we uh, are, are finding out that Austin Dillon is the second NASCAR driver to test positive for the coronavirus. As we remember, uh, recently it was Jimmy Johnson, Richard Childers, uh, racer. Uh, second driver now is Austin Dillon. Should we be pushing the fear porn button as to worrying about our drivers? Or do you think this is just an anomaly? We're just working through things. It could have just been Joe down the street that tested positive for the corona. If one, if it's single drivers each week that's happening, I want to be panicky. Now, if it's, you know, five or six drivers one weekend, then, yeah, I'd be worried. But at least for now, it hasn't gotten to that extreme yet, and hopefully it won't get to that extreme. Otherwise, we could have issues. Well, let's go ahead and get into the, the racing today. Uh, again, we're breaking the news that Austin Dillon is the second um, driver to test positive for the coronavirus uh, and COVID-19 virus. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep on top of that. Go to our social media. We're getting all of that posted. But let's go ahead and let's move on over to um, the Xfinity race. And let's kind of talk a little bit about where we're at today with with that. Um, at, the, at the Glen, first of all, talk with us, Matthew about Watkins Glen, the kind of track it is and what to expect there at the Glen. Are you sure they're running at the Glen? I thought they weren't running races at the Glen because of the high COVID numbers in New York. Okay, I'm being corrected on that. They're in Daytona, but they're still calling it the Glen. So my fault. They're okay. calling that the Glen. That makes more sense because the Cup race got canceled, and obviously they're talking about an IndyCar replacement race there, and that also got uh, nixed as well. Okay, so I'm I'm like you know I, I got a million things going on at one time here. So uh, thanks to my uh, sidekick uh, Melissa's in the background talking to me in the ears, telling me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> so let's go ahead. We're at Daytona with Xfinity, and let's kind of uh, talk a little bit. It's truly about Austin Cedric has has did a great job this year in the in the number 22 Ford car. Well, obviously, when you're talking road course races at Xfinity, two names come to mind. One is is uh, Austin Sindrick, of course, the son of Tim Sindrick, the general manager with Team Penske. And then the second one, obviously, is A.J. Allmendinger. I would not be surprised one of those two guys uh, is lifting the trophy uh, at the end of the action today. I'll tell you what, this corona has got me all spun up all kinds of different directions. If the racing in Daytona, Matthew, let's just call it a Daytona race. Don't call it the Glen, because if I'm sitting here going through my stuff, I'm just going to be talking naturally, and I'm going to be I'm going to be talking like an idiot. But hey, thankfully I got smart people like you guys on my on my team to to keep me uh, keep me blind. You're my blind walking stick. Chase Briscoe, what say you in the number ninety eight car? 
He's shown progress on the road course, but I still think he's an oval guy. I mean, that's where he's done a majority of his damage. I mean, he's the favorite probably to win the Xfinity title. But at this point, uh, if you're talking about uh, road course winners, uh, I don't think Chase Briscoe's name is one name you'd be talking about right now. You know, we talked about when we were talking in our IndyCar stuff last hour about Honda being the, the, the dominant manufacturer in IndyCar. We have to reverse that factor in talking about the Xfinity Series. And that Chevy is the dominant factor on that. And one of my favorite drivers to watch this year is Noah Gregson. He is, uh, uh, of course, the, the team owner of Dale Jr. I mean, Dale Jr. is the team owner of Noah. But Noah Gregson is certainly one that's been out there and just trying to prove it every week that he, he wants to ride in the big boys' cars. Yeah, certainly. And, of course, I think you might want to double-check that. I believe Chase Briscoe is actually at the Ford camp, another one of those Ford development drivers. But you're right about Gregson. Uh, he certainly is a threat out there. No, you're and right. For Chase, Chase is a Ford. Chase is a Ford. Go ahead. When you talk about drivers, I mean, certainly you're looking at Joe Gibbs racing, needing drivers. Uh, yes, it's a Toyota team, but I would not be surprised if uh, they've already announced Christopher Bell is going to be with Gibbs next year, replacing Eric Jones. You don't know how many more years left uh, a guy like a Truex or a Kyle Busch has left of the tag. So you talk about teams looking for drivers. Noah Gregson could be uh, possibly a fit maybe for, say, dare we say, a JGR team uh, possibly in the near future if things continue, if he doesn't fight a ride with a Chevy team. You know, another guy that I like, which is also a pedigreed, and that's Harrison Burton. Uh, he's obviously in, in the Toyota oh, there yeah. in the number two car. Yeah, and he could be forced up quickly because, again, uh, I mean, I talked to a few of my friends uh, within the Gibbs camp, uh, Stephanie Goyce being one of them, and she just is not liking the way they are handling drivers right now. I mean, we saw a massive change with Hendrick, and it seemed to stunt them a little bit. And, unfortunately, with Gibbs, uh, it may do the same thing. Not to say that Christopher Bell isn't capable. Uh, it's just a big step up from going from a Levine family racing team that's just hoping to survive to a Joe Gibbs team that's expected you to win right out of the box. Brandon Jones in the number 19 car. Obviously, he rounds up number nine in the standings of the Xfinity Series, uh, but they're certainly racing at the Daytona road course there uh, in Daytona, Florida. A lot of potential, but I still don't think he's cup ready. I mean, he may be forced into it with the way Joe Gibbs is with drivers right now, away before we're talking uh, Brandon Jones's uh, bonafide cup prospect uh, that's ready to go to cup. Yeah, ab- 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 absolutely. And Steve Wilson our, uh, of Speedway Digest is our uh, official NASCAR contributor. Couldn't join us today because of uh, the, the things that are going down on in Florida, Daytona. So he's down there. So I appreciate Matthew Embry uh, for joining us. But uh, another Chevy car, Justin Haley uh, in the uh, – uh, number five, stand, as far as standings go, in the 11 car in the Xfinity Series. One of our local boys from Winnemac, Indiana. That's just north yep. of you, I believe, this southeast. Yep. So, uh, of course, was a surprise where the cup race to Daytona. Didn't necessarily win it on merit. He just happened to be at the right place at the right time. But the potential is there. He had some good runs in the eSports events. And uh, I think there's some upside there. And he's still uh, playing within the prime uh, to possibly make a case if not to be, you know, a full-time cup driver, a solid driver in the Xfinity Series for several years. 
What are the odds that you're going to be number seven in the standings and drive the number seven car? Only four, uh, Justin Halgayer. What are your thoughts? Well, Allgaier is one of those guys like the Jason Kellers, the Tommy Houstons of the past that just have stayed in the Xfinity Series. They just haven't had the ability to get up the cup and stay there. Unfortunately, I think Allgaier is going to be one of those guys. It's a shame because I think he has the potential to be, you know, a decent, not a great cup driver, but a decent cup driver. Unfortunately, I think he's just in uh, kind of a dead-end position right now at the point, this point of his career where he's probably going to be an Xfinity driver. That's as good as it's going to get for him. Well, you know, one of the drivers that I like to, to watch a lot, and that's, that's uh, Ross Chastain. He's in the um, number 10 car with the Chevy. What are, you, what are your thoughts about Ross Chastain? Another guy that's been on the brink of getting a cup rise, just unfortunately sponsors have kind of backed up on him or have abandoned him and a few other things. It's not necessarily based on talent because he certainly has the talent to be a competitor in cup. It's just uh, the scenarios and the money just hasn't been there to allow him to move up. Ryan Teague, another popular driver in a Chevy car in the number 39. I'm starting to think that he was on the verge a couple of years ago, but he's just been stuck there the last, last few years with his own team. And unfortunately, you're talking about these guys that are just stuck in Xfinity. Unfortunately, Ryan Seager, I think, is going to be one of those guys. Michael Lynette and the number one car of Chevy as well. Had his chance at Cup, didn't take advantage. Actually had two decent chances that Cup didn't take advantage. Uh, probably going to be another one of these uh, guys stuck at Infinity, but uh, it seems like that series is tailor-made for him because he's been pretty competitive the last several years. And we're looking at the number 18 car in the Toyota, Riley Herbert. Sorry about that, trying to eat and stuff at the same time here. Uh, Riley Herbst, uh, certainly uh, the name's familiar. Actually, his name, he's from the off-road racing family known as the Terrible Herbst. Uh, very impressive. He's done, taken to from the dirt tracks to the oval tracks well. And uh, you talk about a future star. A lot of people are saying some good things about Riley Herbst at this point. Well, this brings us to the, the final. Uh, we get to the playoff markup. Anybody below uh, Brandon Brown in the Chevy uh, 68 car is not eligible for the playoffs at the moment. Uh, for the top, top 12, in any way, for the playoffs or, or runoffs, if you will. Uh, but Brandon Brown. Don't know much of this guy. Uh, so uh, I think that would be one where you could give Steve Wilson a call because that's one name that's escaping me as far as uh, names I remember on the expanding list. Well, let's look at the top uh, uh Playoff uh, drivers, if you will, in the uh, NASCAR series, the uh, uh, big boy series, the the Cup series, I'm sorry. Um, You know, I really, Kevin Harvick never ceases to amaze me. Let's start with him. He's obviously in a Ford uh, with Stuart Haas Racing. But I'll tell you what, what he was able to do at Michigan last week, I mean the week before, he has just been able to just come out and just total dominate. Was it last week that he swept all race? Was it the week before? But either which way, Kevin Harvick dominated Michigan, and he has been dominating the track all year this year. Well, ever since Darlington, he dominated Darlington. He's just kept the run going. He's, I mean, they call him the close. They don't call him the closer for nothing. I mean, he just gets in there, does about his business, and most of the time out of ten, uh, 
he's getting the job done. Add to that, I think we're hearing a lot more from Delena. So obviously Delena's happy about how the things are going at this point. <laughs> Valid point. Valid point. So the the number eleven, Denny Hamlin. I really like Denny Hamlin. He's just the good boy, good old boy fan favorite that you that you can root for. Uh, and certainly, it, it would go back, you know, a few years back where he broke his back and had to be lifelined out of the track. And just to see his comeback to where he's at now, Denny Hamlin is really, really, to me, a feel-good story to root for for the championship this year. Yeah, it was a heartbreaker, though, at Indy, though. He should have won his first Brickyard 400. Unfortunately, the flat tire cost him that chance. Beyond that, though, he's done all the things well. It's just uh, can he put it all together and claim a title? Brad Koloski, uh, uh, the number two car in the in the Ford uh position there what are your thoughts on bk well kezer i tell you is a very impressive uh, i think he's got he's finally showing the maturity that i think he needed to show to be you know a consistent competitor i mean yes he won a cup title even with the immaturity level there but i think now that he is a little more mature looks at the bigger picture instead of just the one race scenarios i think he's become a much better driver because of that and he will win some more championships before his career is over so we look at Joey Logano, the haymaker, Joey Logano, number 22. You know, he earned that nickname three or four years ago uh, when he got into it. Uh, I can't remember the driver, man, but he was just throwing the haymakers. And remember, he got a bloody nose out of it all. Who was that? I can't remember who. Dad, he and his dad got involved with that one, if I remember correctly. It wasn't just him. Yeah, it was his dad, dad too. Get involved in that too. It, was, it happened at the end of the race, and they, they got into it, and he was just started throwing the haymakers in. Um, uh, one of the uh, announcers said, oh, man, he's uh, Joey the hay- Haymaker Logano, and that has stuck with him uh, since then. And, yeah, you're right, his dad did get involved with it. But I, if Joey didn't get a broken nose, he got a severely blood- bloody nose. I mean, he was doing the interview on TV with the with blood running out of his nose. Uh, so, But Joey Logano, what are your thoughts? Again, and we said it with Keselowski, there's one guy, though, you got to look at, though, as the reason why those guys have matured and are having very good careers, and that's Roger Penske. He is a no-nonsense type of guy. Yes, he's a great person to work for, but there is a certain way you need to handle yourself in order to drive successfully for the captain. And one perfect example is the SC works for NBC was Paul Tracy. Never showed the maturity to be a competitive driver at Penske. He got, I think, what, fired like three times for Penske? So, yeah, you have to handle your way a certain way. But in the end, though, figure out how to be not just a great, uh, aggressive driver, but a smart driver at the same time. And that's how you win races, not by, you know, driving balls to the walls every single race. It's getting the job done, getting the car to the finish, and putting those points on the board. And in the end, you end up winning the championship. And that's how Roger runs things. And that's why you have seen a lot more maturity from not just Keselowski, but Joey Logano on the cup side. And you certainly see it from his driver, Ryan Blaney, as well. Another pedigree that I've had a lot of fun watching, and that's Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott is due. It is time for him to get up there. And and I really think he has an opportunity uh, to win a championship, but I think he has a great opportunity to do well in Daytona this weekend. Well, obviously, you mentioned that because his first two career wins were at Watkins Glen, so he certainly knows his way around a road course. 
And uh, if he ends up winning uh, this weekend, again, I would not be surprised either. I mean, the guy has shown an affinity for road courses that, ironically enough, his father uh, really wasn't keen about the road course. In fact, I think he took, like, multiple Skip Barber racing school uh, courses during the 90s just to try to become better on the road courses, and yet his son has taken to them like a duck to water. Absolutely, and uh, Chase Elliott is just really a fun driver to watch. He's so energetic, and he's always positive, and he just does all the right things on the track. So you, you got to think that he's doing all the right things, so something good's going to come his way. Let's talk a little bit about the number 12 card in the Ford, uh, Ryan Blaney. Like I said, uh, continuing to show the maturity necessary to be a regular race winner and series champion. I don't think it's going to be this year, but he certainly is on the right track to becoming a mainstay and have the greater success that his father, Dave, was unable to achieve uh, during his NASCAR career when he failed to win a single race. Let's talk a little bit about Martin Truex Jr. Uh, Certainly has been in the mix this year in the number 19 Toyota. Just seems like, though, that the magic that he had when Cole Pern was his crew chief, of course, Cole Pern now is with Connor Daly at the Indy 500 this weekend for qualifying and then the race next weekend. It just seems like he has lost something since Cole Pern left that team. And, you know, I mean, certain drivers are able to go from crew chief to crew chief, but it just seems like that uh, the loss of Bodo Mannion hurt Martin Truex Jr. And now the loss of Cole Pern is hurting him again here. And I'll be very curious to see if he's able to get back to being, you know, the dominant force that we saw when he won the championship a few years ago. Look at the number 88, Alex Bowman, in the Chevy car. He has surprisingly been one of the leaders of that Hendrick team. I didn't think he'd be the strongest driver there, but he certainly has shown a lot of uh, maturity this year and has uh, – Regionally has been able to not only outrun Chase Elliott, but at times he's been able to outrun potentially the number one on that team in William Byron. And this would be when we would typically talk about Austin Dillon. And so we'll reiterate our breaking news. Austin Dillon uh, is the second NASCAR driver to test positive for the coronavirus. We've got his replacement uh, uh, information. We've got the statement from Children's up on social, social media. Anything that you want to add to Austin Dillon's story there, Matt? Still needs to show some maturity, I think, right now. If he's going to be, you know, a contender for race wins and championships, I still think the maturity is lacking a bit. And it's uh, maybe, I mean, since he's his nephew, I think Richard Childress needs to get, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, start showing that tough love to his nephew and say, hey, you need to start showing the maturity necessary to be able to get cars to the finish and in one piece, instead of tearing up equipment week in and week out, because if you keep doing that, you're not going to get the results and the possibilities up in the high stand- finishes in the standings that we're hoping you are able to get. Matthew, this is where I get the rare opportunity to correct you as opposed to you correct me. Austin Dillon is Richard Childress' grandson, not nephew. Just letting you know. Aha! My bad. <laughs> the rare occasion. Mark the point right here on August 15th, 2020, that Tom actually got to correct Matthew as opposed to the other way around. Anyway, all joking aside, Cole, Cole Custer in the number 41 car there, uh, in the Ford car there. 
I got to say, he's impressed me. I was really thinking they, that Stuart Haas made the wrong decision bringing him up to cup this fast, but he has more than held his own in multiple races this year. And uh, you talk about possibilities for rookie of the year. Uh, I think he is one guy I think that would get a lot of consideration for that rookie of the year honor. And now we move on down to the number 10 car, Eric Arma. Roma, that that guy in the Ford car. Well, <laughs> well, in the car you have the Andretti jinx. I think you have the Alamarola jinx in NASCAR. The guy just cannot catch a break. I mean, he he's deserves way more success than he's gotten. He just cannot buy a break at the end of the race when it matters. And you got you know you got to feel bad for him. I mean, he he should have be having the success that the other some of these other guys are that are having that really haven't earned that success. Uh, Eric's just his stake bit, and uh, I don't know if it's going to be one of those mental blocks that he's ever going to be able to break. Let's talk about the bus. Kyle and Kurt both seem to be on the struggle bus this year. Sorry about that. A motorcycle just dusted past me there. What were you saying? Let's talk a little bit about the Bush brothers. Uh, Kyle and Kurt just can't seem to catch a break this year. Well, I think they've been their own worst enemy. Unfortunately, I think they've gotten, both gotten back to some bad habits that they that affected them when they were not running so well, over-aggression, frustrations, uh, mental breaks. Uh, between the years, I just don't think it's in them right now. And until that changes, uh, I think we're going to see both of them continue to struggle. And it's not just the – I don't think it's a car issue. I think it's a mental issue uh, with both drivers. Last three drivers to round out the cutoff line for the playoffs as, as we're going to the Daytona uh, race. Uh, not the Glen, but at the Glen or whatever they're calling it. And <laughs> let's talk about Matthew Denabeto, De- De- William Bryan, and Clint Boyer. I mean, what more can we say about Matthew DiBenedetto? He is outrunning the potential of the team himself and the car. I mean, the fact that he has been able to go from an absolute nobody a few years ago that we hadn't even heard of to, you know, a guy possibly challenging for a playoff spot is absolutely insane. But, hey, he's earned it. I mean, he has driven a car, not to say the Wood Brothers car is the worst car in the field because it's far from it, but it certainly isn't one of the strongest cars, and yet he is week in and week out getting great results out of it. Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, I appreciate you also stepping in and, and, and hanging out with us uh, uh, for longer than usual to talk some racing and helping us get through the field of 33. Next week, we will have our, our IndyCar special. We'll be putting that together all this week uh, on Saturday and on Sunday. I will be at the race, but not in the track. I will be out at the track. And, but I won't be in the track. I plan on taking my coolers, lawn chairs, and getting everything set up for a, a master tailgate just outside of the of the track there at 16th and Georgetown. Now, Matthew, go ahead and give us your final words of wisdom uh, for the Indianapolis 500 or NASCAR. Uh, what say you? I would say if you're looking for an upset guy, like I said in the Xfinity race, watch out for that Earl Bamberg today. And then uh, I think you talk about possibilities uh, for the poll for the Indy 500. I just cannot uh, pick against Scott Dixon. The guy showed some amazing speed a few years ago, and I think he will match that 232. 
And also, I think we're going to have a great battle tonight in the Capitani Classic, uh, the event replacing the Knoxville Nationals that was canceled in Iowa. Uh, it's going to be a battle between the former cup driver, uh, Kyle Larson, and the defending champion of the Knoxville Nationals, David Gravel. So that's going to be a big battle uh, tonight in Iowa. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm excited for qualifying weekend. Guess who won't be at the <laughs> – I'm done, venting. I'm done. Matthew, where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y. And don't forget, uh, radio coverage starts at 11 o'clock for the events for qualifying. The TV coverage starts at 3 on NBC. So, unfortunately, unless you have the NBC Gold uh, package, you will not be able to get uh, stuff until 3 o'clock. So, again, if you want uh, video feeds, uh, you need to buy that package uh, here in the next few minutes. Again, the action starts at 11 sharp here in a few moments. All right, Matthew, have yourself a good weekend, and we'll, we'll catch up with you next week for the uh, our, our IndyCar special. Can't wait, Tom. Talk to you soon. All right, buddy. I'll tell you what, it is disappointing that we're not going to be uh, at inside the track. I, I, I just can't tell you, as a fan, and just as somebody that's covered the race for so many years, how disappointing that it is. But we're going to get through this, and next year, hopefully, all of this uh, nightmare will be behind us as we move forward. Coming up, Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, will be joining us for our NFL segment as we merge away from uh, racing and get into the NFL. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Hi, this is a good one, kind of groove. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barber sharp quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. 
Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark Lassell, President. Thank you, Matthew Embry, for hanging out with us for uh, 90 minutes to talk uh, IndyCar and NASCAR. Obviously, a big part of my soul is missing. I'm going to continue to vent for another 30 minutes, but nonetheless, nothing I can do about it. Uh, but I should be out at the track today. I've been out, I should have been out there all this week. Uh, but with practice and qualifying this weekend, this weekend is whole day. Big shot in the groin, if you will, from IndyCar that I can't be there. But nonetheless, if there is anything better to talk about at football and joining this is the, the, the one guy that you want to rely on to talk to is Ed Kratt, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Ed, how are you, sir? <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm good, Tom. How are you? Good, I, I, you I know how you are, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I know how you are. You're you're uh, you're bitter that you can't be over at the speedway, but uh, man, I'm going to tell you what. And but you know what? Next weekend we're going to take the lawn chairs and the cooler, and we're going to right outside. This is so weird and so funny that the track's not allowing any fans in, but just right across the street, a hundred feet from the track, you pay twenty dollars, you can get into a, a public parking lot that you would normally pay twenty dollars if you were going to the race. You can hang out there with everybody around, no mask required, and we can tailgate out there, but we can't be in the track where we can socially distance from each other. It's, mm. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay $20. I'm going to be out there with all the other people, and if I get the corona, at least it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, might, might be your last race. You never know. I tell you um, what, it's just that must be under two different jurisdictions that you're allowed to do that. I mean, I guess yeah, it's the, it uh, it's the racing. Yeah. Right. So, so, I, car, you know. so basically IMS is the venue, if you will. Uh, IndyCar pays IMS to be there. IndyCar is the one that makes the decision on who's going to be in the stands. So, the, the IndyCar made that final call. It's not. It was not IMS. It was uh, IndyCar that made that. So, so they're just the venue. So actually, IndyCar pays them a buttload of money to be there every year. Of course, it, it's a win-win for both uh, both uh, parties there. That's the way it is with all tracks. They're just the venue. They're just the host, if you will, and they're basically paying rent to be there for the weekend or the week or the mm-hmm. month, whatever. And then so who IndyCar, controls the lot that you're allowed to be in? Who, who controls the lot then that they're allowing fans to go in and the, the bring their coolers? The town of Speedway. Oh, okay. 
I got gotcha. you. Uh, which is a suburb of Indianapolis, which is still Indianapolis. It's it's right. it's actually if you if you drive down Sixteenth uh, Street, five blocks, it's it's really a bad bad neighborhood. It's kind of weird to, to to see the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in all of its majestic uh, that it is, and then just a few blocks away, it is. Definitely not a good neighbor. If you were, well, you may not remember this story because I don't know how much you follow racing, but three or four years ago, uh, Scott Dixon and um, Tony Kanon, I think it was Tony Kanon or, or, or uh, I, it, 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 if it wasn't Tony Kanon, it was Scott Dixon, his wife, and somebody else. They're at the Taco Bell after winning, after, well, that was after Scott Dixon had won the Indianapolis 500. They just went down to the Taco Bell to get some food, and they got held up. They got their watches stolen and everything. Mm. Crazy. It's a big news story. Well, you know, I you know I, I think a, I've never been to Augusta for the Masters, and that's coming up I think in November. But um, I I think Augusta, that where the golf course is, is surrounded by not the best area. Also, yeah, uh, I've never been there, but right. I've, I've, yeah. So I mean, that's that's, that's kind of bizarre too. I've been there before, but I was stationed in Augusta when I was in the Army, when I was uh, doing uh, Signal Corps training there in, in the Army, and that's in Augusta. And the Army base, just outside the Army base, not too far, is the is the uh, golf course. But really, Augusta as a whole is not that that great of a neighborhood. So Yeah, yeah, I had heard but that too. So, yeah, that's, that's bizarre. But we're talking you, you about know, Ed Tom, Fred. We, Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, we can kind of segue here right into the, you know, this whole fan aspect that you're talking about uh, where you'll be uh, watching the race. I mean, you, the NFL now, the Cowboys this past couple of days are saying that they're going to play with uh, 50% capacity there at AT&T Stadium um, after getting the approval to have fans be allowed to go to the games and uh, you know, most of these NFL cities aren't going to have fans at the game. And the Cowboys so far, it looks like they will. And that's pretty big advantage for them and a big disadvantage for other teams who can't have teams. And, uh, you know, even just in Houston, uh, what is it, about 300 miles to the south of Dallas, they've already said no fans. And yet Dallas is proceeding and Jerry Jones is proceeding as if he's going to have 50% capacity at AT&T Stadium, you know, and the NFL seems to be okay with this, which is really, yeah. really weird to me. Well, you said two things there that, that that makes it why it's okay, Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. Let's hope <laughs> that, that, that we can <laughs> – let's hope that we can get that across the, the board there because, I mean, you look at a stadium, well, for example, here, here in Indianapolis with the Colts, there's no – they can hold what? 70,000 people, I think. So there's plenty of room to do 50% uh, capacity. You know, if you got your tickets, especially with season ticket holders, because the way I understand it is that season ticket holders are going to be given a credit, but they're not getting necessarily a refund for that. So I I don't know how that's going to apply at. But we still haven't seen an official word uh, from the Colts or the NFL as far as how that goes uh, together. We're talking with uh, yeah. uh, Ed Kraft. We're talking with Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com. Let's get into the Eagles. Um, as as uh, uh, it looks like uh, Nate Sutfield's going to be QB two, but uh, 
Uh, talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts, Nate Sutfeld, and the Eagles uh, as, as you guys get ready for the 2020 season. Well, yeah, I think in a normal offseason where, you know, they would have – Jalen Hurts probably would have had a 1,000, you know, on-field reps at this point between the OTAs and the mini camp and, uh, you know, a normal training camp, which, you know, we're two weeks into camp here now with the NFL, and they really haven't done a whole lot other than conditioning and weightlifting and, you know, only the last couple of days were they allowed to put on helmets and shells, but the full pads don't come on till Monday. So, you know, when you talk about Hurts, had he been given a, a, a normal opportunity to get his uh, lion's share of reps during the OTAs, even a rookie minicamp, you know, they bring these rookies in after the draft for a three-day, uh, you know, crash course with just a rookie. So had Hurts had all that time to uh, work on field, then I think he might have been able to push Sudfeld for that QB number two. But as it sits right now, the Eagles want to make sure they're comfortable with Hertz. I mean, they've only had him out on the field for a handful of days. And, you know, Doug Peterson talked to us during the week after he got cleared from uh, his self-quarantine after testing positive for the virus back in on August 2nd. Uh, he said that he likes the way he, he throws the ball. He throws the ball well. He throws it with authority. He throws it hard and accurately. But he's just not at the point now where you can say, okay, he's going to step in. Uh, as QB number two, should something happen to Ertz. And then remember, they're not having any preseason games. You know, I, w- I would have been in Indianapolis with you, Tom, on Thursday yeah. night. Uh, you know, we, we had, had a, a normal yeah. – yeah, the Eagles and Colts were supposed to tee it up at uh, Lucas Oil there, but that was canceled. So, uh, you know, now Hertz doesn't have those preseason games either. So the Eagles are just kind of, you know, moving along probably as they should and just waiting till Hertz gets comfortable – um, before they say, okay, he can now push Sudfeld for the QB number two spot. Well, I'm going to tell you what, it's a disappointment that the, e- the Eagles and the Colts aren't playing, but a bigger disappointment that you and I aren't going to be able to go out. Yeah, um, well, <laughs> yeah I was, I was looking forward to that. Stop there. <laughs> yeah, right. I, when, that, when the preseason schedule came out, yeah, man. Yeah, I, when that preseason schedule came out, I thought, all right, man, I'll be heading back to Indy and uh, get to see you. <laughs> but uh, the virus had other plans, I guess. Too bad. But, corona had other plans. So, so yeah. we just have to drink Corona. So are the Eagles going to be able to replace Torrey Smith? I mean, what's the story there? Uh, Torrey uh, Smith. Who, who is that? Uh, are they going to replace – who are we talking about? Torrey Smith, the wide receiver from three years ago? Yeah, the wide receiver. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I'm, just, no, that's I'm all over the board. Yeah, no, I mean, they've got guys and receiver. I mean, you know, we talked uh, – we've been Zooming like crazy with the Eagles for this training camp. And now Monday, we'll finally – I'll finally be able to get down there for the full week and uh, watch practice. Um, it's going to be kind of like crossing into another country, though, with all these security – screenings they have in place that we have to pass through uh, just to get on the field. And But anyway, uh, they have guys. We talked to Aaron Moorhead, the wide receivers coach, former Colts receiver, Peyton Manning threw to Aaron Moorhead uh, back in the day, and now he's yep. the receivers coach here in Philadelphia. And he, you know, he spoke very glowingly of Jalen Rager, the first round pick, and how explosive he is and how fast he is. And uh, he loves Greg Ward, who was a, a, you know, a quarterback at the University of Houston Several years ago, he's been on the practice squad for a couple of years, finally got his crack last year and had a very good final, uh, you know, six games or so. And now he's talking about him being a leader 
in that receiver room. And then you have uh, Deshaun Jackson and, you know, you wonder if he can get healthy. You know, he, he put up on Instagram yesterday, some training camp footage of him going one-on-one against Darius Slay. And, you know, Deshaun Jackson just blew right by Slay. I mean, and Slay's one of the top corners in this league. And, uh, you know, he was up on the line of scrimmage and, and Deshaun just ran right past him. And, you know, Deshaun can still fly. He can still run great routes, but he can't stay healthy. So, uh, the Eagles have Rager sitting in the wings. Uh, they drafted two other kids, um, John Hightower from Boise State and Quez Watkins from Southern Myth um, that can also fly. So, uh, you know, they've got some guys, but they're young guys. And Deshaun's really the only veteran uh, in that room. And then you have Alshon Jeffrey, but he's kind of – he's on the physically unable to perform list because he had list rank surgery at the end of last year. So you don't know what his health situation is going to be like, but – uh, they are very young at the receiver group, and it might take a little time for them to grow. But, you know, look, 31 other teams are in kind of a similar situation with how they're putting their rosters together. And, you know, it's going to be kind of crazy to watch September football now without any preseason games. And when we had preseason games, September football was a little sloppy, and now we don't have preseason games. And uh, teams have only started to ramp up now with less than a month really to go until the season opens. So what's September football going to look like? Um, I don't think it's going to re- look real pretty yet. It'll be nice to have football back, but uh, I think we're going to have to get used to some ugliness. And that doesn't even speak to the officials. You know, the officials have to kind of uh, round into shape and get to know teams too without the benefit of preseason games for them to work. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot of ugliness the first month and it kind of correlates with what I'm saying is giving these young guys on the Eagles receiving core time to grow. They will have that time in September, uh, but other teams have other positions they need to grow to, too. And <clears throat> that's when we're going to see the growth happen is in September when, you know, football is probably going to look pretty sloppy. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm just ready for sports to get back. Let's get over this whole I mean, I know we got to be safe, and I know we got to take this seriously. I mean, it's certainly, as I was personally affected by this with my father, there's there we have to take this very seriously. But at the same time, we need to we need to move forward and get sports back. I think is a very important part of that. So let's get into around the NFL. We tried to get to a lot of the teams last week. Uh, I know we didn't get to a lot of the uh, NFC teams, so we're going to do that. So let's, what a better uh, place to start than up in Seattle with the Seahawks. We knew this was going to happen. <laughs> we knew this was going to happen when you had uh, when you have these young kids um, deprived of women. Let's put it this way. Seattle Seahawks cut uh, their uh, rookie Kimon Travad, a rookie quarterback, after he was caught on video trying to sneak a female visitor into the team hotel, according to media reports in NFL.com. The woman was wearing Seahawks gear and attempted to disguise her as a player, according to the NFL Network. So any attempt to smuggle an unauthorized visitor to the Seahawks female is a violation of the team rules, especially during the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. That's from a statement of those. So if you're a rookie, you're going to make rookie mistakes, but that costed you maybe your career. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a laughing stock, really. I mean, uh, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was a line from one of my favorite movies, uh, Rocky, obviously, you know, being here in Philadelphia. But, you know, when, when Burgess Meredith, his trainer, said, uh, women weaken legs, Rock, women weaken legs. That's the first thing that came to mind. It's, you know, this dude's trying to sneak a woman in and, you know, okay, I get it. 
But, you know, women weak in legs, man, you're a rookie. You're trying to make, you know, a team that's favored to go to the Super Bowl, one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl this year. You know, come on, buckle it up for, you know, however long it takes and take your career seriously. But, you know, it's a, it's a weakness we all have. Um, but, look, women weak in legs and Kamas Sivaran made a, you know, unfortunately for him, you're right, it's going to – it cost him his job and it may, it may cost him his career – um, for just doing something stupid. I mean, all these teams talk about is keeping themselves safe and, you know, make, you know, their family and they're together and, you know, their brothers next to each other and they have to take care of one another. Um, but stuff like this happens. We saw it in baseball, you know, the Florida Marlins were the first team one weekend into the season. They went out the week before in an exhi- a, a exhibition game against Atlanta Braves in Atlanta and eight of them got the coronavirus and, uh, you know, shut them and the Philadelphia Phillies season down for like 10 days. So you can't have guys being stupid, and that's what you worry about is you can't control everybody. And, um, you know, the NFL's intent on playing 16 games. I think it's going to start on time. Whether they can get through 16 games without any stupidity like this happening, you know, we're going to find out. <laughs> well, it goes back to the old T-shirt that says, uh, don't blame me, blame Eve, right? It's always it's always yeah. a woman. <laughs> but, yeah, they they are – We'll just let's let's all joking aside. Let's start with the Seattle Seahawks. What do they got to do to get ready for 2020? And as you as you mentioned, they certainly are a a, a thought in, in in the conversation of a Super Bowl uh, contender this year. Yeah, I, I think you know whenever you have Russell Wilson and and his ability to you know make plays like he can, you, you're going to be in the mix. And you know I think they've done some good things to the to build on the defense a little bit. Um, you know, it's not quite what it was when they were going to Super Bowls, you know, in the middle part of the last decade, but I think it's still good enough. Um, you know, we saw them get to the, uh, the divisional round of the playoffs last year against the Packers. They had to go to Green Bay, um, but they play in a tough, you know, one of the tougher divisions, you know, with the 49ers who did go to the Super Bowl and you, you have the Rams who went to the Super Bowl two years ago. And then you have a Cardinals team that, you know, they're, they're, intent on having a big season with Kyler Murray in his second year. And, uh, you know, some of the things they've done to upgrade, uh, you know, the, the weapons around him and their defense. So they play in a tough division, but I, I do like the fact that, you know, to me, Russell Wilson is still the best quarterback in that division. And, and uh, you know, I think that always gives the Seahawks a chance. Let's talk a little bit about the Rams. You mentioned them. Have you had a chance to see the hard the ESPN Hard Knocks? Uh, they featured uh, the the Rams this year. No, you, aren't the Chargers on that too? Aren't both those LA teams in there? I, yeah, I don't I know. So. But they, I, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to watch it like later today, I think, or tomorrow. But it, it talks about uh, how they they're handling this. Uh, pandemic and how they're handling it within their, their facilities. And I think it's going to be a really interesting watch, but let's talk about the Rams. You talk about a fall from glory over the last couple of years. The Rams would be one of those contenders for that. Yeah. I mean, it's always hard as a losing team to get back to the Super Bowl the following year, unless you're the Patriots who, you know, they did it after they lost to the Eagles. They got back and uh, you know they won it again the following year, but, um, it's tough to do. I mean, and that's going to be the test for the 49ers is, you know, you put a lot of time and effort into it to get there. And then, you know, you're playing in February. So it kind of shortens and condenses your off season. Now this was a, you know, a different type of off season. So, you know, I don't know how much that'll come into play, but um, typically, you know, you're right back to work just a couple months later. 
um, <clears throat> after you go to the Super Bowl, and if you lose, that's a that's a big letdown. Um, so it's tough to uh, recapture that and get back to to the Super Bowl. So that's the challenge the 49ers face. And then the Rams, you know, they did it two years ago. They lost uh, to the Patriots, and then they kind of stumbled last year. And I think, you know, Sean McVay was kind of the, the toast of the town and uh, still a good coach. I think I've seen where they might try to use a little bit more two tight ends on the field at the same time, which I know the Eagles employ a lot of two tight end sets, probably one of the top three teams in the, in the league to use two tight ends, and they have two good ones the Eagles, and I think the Rams do as well. Um, so I think you see, might see McVay do some of that. Um, but it all, it's all going to revolve again. We're talking about Russell Wilson. You have to talk about Jared Goff. You know, they gave him a, a ton of money, um, extended his contract a couple years ago. And, um, you know, I'm not completely sold on him. You know, they scored, what was it, three points in that Super Bowl loss. I mean, uh, to me, Goff has to take that next step and prove that 20 – 18, I guess it was, wasn't a fluke. Um, and we'll see. I mean, it, <clears throat> McVay has to put him in a position to succeed. And by putting two tight ends on the field, maybe that'll help. Maybe that'll help mix things up. You know, they lost Todd Gurley, of course, the, the running back who, you know, was kind of on fumes late there. He went to Atlanta. We'll see if he's able to recapture some of his health and have a good season with the Falcons. Um, but, uh, you know, they're going to have to replace that run game, too, with Gurley gone. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Uh, and our official NFL contributor, we're talking about walking around the NFL. Real quickly, uh, go to our show for all the details. This was breaking during our show, during our break uh, with uh, Matthew Embry. But Austin Dillon of uh, Tilders Rest- uh, Racing was the second NASCAR driver to test positive for the coronavirus. And he will not be uh, eligible to race this weekend in the Daytona Road Course. Now, all that stuff on our social media at T Balance. And let's go uh, to the Cardinals out in Arizona. They're number one in the in the NFC uh, West as we start out the season. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Kyler Murray. You know, I, I he was the Rookie of the Year last year. I thought you know, there might have been a couple other candidates for that. I thought he had kind of a pedestrian season for a rookie of the year um you know he did complete i think 64 percent of his his passes but he he threw 12 interceptions he did throw 20 touchdowns um and there was talk they were going to try to get him uh, get him cd lamb his former teammate at oklahoma of course that didn't happen in the draft cd lamb went to uh dallas um but you know they still did some good things that uh have people excited about the cardinals they think they can make a uh, you know, a run for a playoff spot. You know, they're going to have that extra playoff spot this year in each conference. So instead of six teams making it from each uh, conference, now you're going to have seven. So, um, you know, maybe they can grab one of those last wild card spots. But again, I mean, that is a, that's a really tough division that they're in. And, you know, they're a, a relatively young team. Uh, are they ready to make that next step with Murray at the helm and Cliff Kingsbury too, their head coach, his second season? Uh, it, it, again, with an off season where a whole lot looked different, uh, had they had more of an off season, maybe I think it was it will help them that Kingsbury is in his second year and Murray's in his second year. They're not both had this been last year and they're both rookies, then uh, you know it might have been more difficult. But you know there's a lot of optimism and there should be at this time of year for every team. Um, and you know I I don't know if they're ready to make that step or not. Um, 
you know, we talked about the Browns as being that team last year that could make that step, and, you know, they didn't. And I think we might see the Cardinals, you know, they're getting a lot of hype, but I'm not sure they're quite ready uh, to make uh, a run in a very strong division for a playoff spot. Yeah, let's uh, certainly we're about out of time. Unfortunately, things always, uh, always uh, run out of time. Uh, time goes fast when you're having fun. Let's talk about the, the Panthers. That's my granddaughter's favorite team. So I always like to talk about her. I mean, talk about him. I always like to talk about her too, for that matter, but talk about the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey, obviously is my granddaughter's favorite uh, player. And certainly, uh, one of the uh, – uh, she wears the, the jersey. But we look at Terry Bridgewater uh, taking over there at QB1 and, and taking over the helm. And uh, I asked my granddaughter this week, and she's not really keen on it. And she's only eight. So I, I got to go with the eight-year-old's version of the story that Terry Bridgewater's not going to work out at, at the Panthers. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, he, you know, he filled in nicely for Drew Brees last year. And, you know, he was certainly a guy that was on the rise as a quarterback before he had that really gruesome uh, leg injury. Um, I, you know, I, I like him. I mean, I, I do think he's a good uh, a good quarterback. I liked him before he got hurt. And, you know, he persevered through that. I think last year he, he started five games for Brees and went 5-0. and uh, so yeah, he'll, you know, you got a new coach again, Matt rule, uh, coming in from college has never been an NFL head coach. Same with Joe judge in New York. Um, you wonder about these first year NFL head coaches, how they're going to implement their culture, just sitting on the laptop, you know, for six months until they were able to get into camp. Um, so you have a, you know, a, a new quarterback in Bridgewater in a new system with Matt rule, um, I'm not sure they're going to be on the same page for a little while, but you have Christian McCaffrey, who you mentioned, who had the, you know, he signed that big contract in the off season, <clears throat> certainly worth it. I mean, he's one of the best running backs in the game right now, if not the best. Um, so he'll help, you know, you, you can draw up some plays for him. Um, and, and then, but they have to look at the defense. And <clears throat> I think that, you know, getting back to the offense with Carolina, I think they had a, an offensive lineman retire or something happened there. So, um, you know, their offensive line to me is a question mark, you know, here in these early days and then their defense. I, I wonder how they're going to be defensively too. I think they bulked up a little bit in the draft. Um, but again, first year coach, head coach uh, in the NFL and Matt rule. And I think that's just going to take some time. I mean, I know he's been a head coach in college at Baylor and temple, but I um, mean, the NFL is a whole nother animal and, We'll see how he adjusts to that. You know, he got a big contract, too, to be the head coach. But, again, these coaches that are in their first year really have their backs against the wall early on because of this crazy offseason. You know, I was talking about my granddaughter. I was talking about my granddaughter. Her uh, her favorite player is Christian McCaffrey. He, she wears his jersey, and she just thinks he's invincible. And it's really good to see how these – players or role models is a perfect example for for my for my granddaughter but she goes he doesn't even have to wear a mask I was like everybody has to wear a mask she goes nope he doesn't have to wear a mask because he's stronger than ours because every time they show him on tv they don't show him with a mask mm. <laughs> he have to wear a mask that he's stronger than, than the virus but how cool is it to have role models like that for our kids 
Yeah, I mean, he doesn't wear a mask, but he probably wears a cape in her eyes, right? I mean, they got yeah, Superman. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's cool. I mean, you have to be careful who you idolize in the NFL. You know, they're all not really good guys when you get to meet them. And uh, by all accounts, I've never met Christian McCaffrey, but, I, you know, by all accounts, he's a decent guy. He's a good role model to have. Um, but, again, she picked a good one as far as I know. But, you know, you got to be careful uh, who you idolize in the NFL because you just don't know. Like Michael Vick was a huge role model uh, early yeah. in Atlanta. And look what happened to him. So, I mean, you just you just don't know. And, uh, you know, I, I can go through – it's a much longer list of guys that I think are good guys in the NFL than guys who aren't. Um, and by all accounts, McCaffrey's a good guy. So, real quickly, final thoughts here uh, as we look at – because I know you're in Penn State country. I'm in IU country, Purdue country. Uh, Big Ten, Pac-12, and others decided they're not going to have a season this year. But then you got other uh, – which, which you've got other um, – the ACC, you've got the SEC all saying they're going to have a season. Is this about money? Because if it's about money, you got to look at Big Ten and Ohio State. Yeah, I, I guess it's about liability is why these teams, have, you know, these conferences have decided not to uh, proceed with seasons is they're just worried about liability. What happens if someone gets sick and, you know, who's responsible for that? Um, you know, it's kind of weird that some teams or some leagues have said yay and others have said no. And I don't know, I, I, I thought maybe transfer portals would be clogged with players trying to get out of schools or, that aren't playing, but I don't know what the legality is behind that, but uh, I think it's a matter of liability, and and, and of course it's always about money, uh, and that's why leagues like the Big 12 and the SEC and the ACC are going to try to play. Um, I'm surprised, frankly, that the Big 10 shut it down, and and um, as did uh, the Pac-12. Uh, it, it's kind of bizarre that it happened, but I think just they're, they're just afraid of liability, and it's not worth it uh, for them to make the money if you're going to lose the money in litigation should one of your players get sick and potentially die. And that's, that's going to be the – and we don't have time for that conversation, but that's going to be the big thing. If something like that happens, if the worst-case scenario does happen, that is just going to put everything to a halt. We've been talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Uh, Ed, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us today. Any final thoughts or words of wisdom and where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Well, no, I'm like you, though, Tom. I'm ready for, you know, sports. I've been having a great time. I'm a big fan of the NHL, and I've been, you know, that's been on kind of morning, noon, and night here. I think the NHL has done a great job. Their commissioner, Gary Bettman, has had hockey from noon to midnight uh, for the last couple of weeks, and that's a sport, obviously, that's more of a niche sport, but that really helps grow the sport. Um, so I'm happy to be watching this playoff hockey, and I know NBA playoffs, I think, start Monday. Um, I'm not as big of an NBA fan as I am in NHL or NFL, but I'll watch it because it's sports. And I, I just hope the NFL can find a way to keep going uh, through, you know, the next three months or four months uh, and get it, get us into the playoffs. But, you know, we'll see. It's a long, long way to go. Things change a lot, it seems. So, you know, hopefully we can make it happen. Hopefully we get a vaccine here soon and we can just uh, give everybody a shot and we can carry on with our lives. But I don't know when that's going to happen. You can find my work in Masterpieces at Twitter, at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E. I always say a shot cures everything anyway. So, (laughs) (laughs) A good shot cures all, right? That's right, buddy. All right, you have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon, sir. 
right. Thank you, Tom. You too. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor, talking with us about the return of NFL and just some of the things that are going on and, and some of the, the when the teams. So, big thank you to Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, breaking down the, the, the draw qualifying order. It's qualifying weekend. Oh, I'm not going to be there. Have I, have I said that I'm not going to be there enough? times today. Hopefully this all gets behind us. This is the last time I'll ever miss an Indianapolis 500. So uh, it's an emotional thing. But nonetheless, we move forward um, and uh, follow us on Twitter, at T-Balance and Facebook, and get us on anywhere you listen to a podcast, whether that's Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Tune in, what have you, we can be found. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. <laughs> oh, I'm ready for this show to be over. Don't drink and drive. <laughs> it is a cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. <laughs>